Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast of Life Church in Perry, Georgia. Let's join Pastor Tim McLaughlin and go to the message. I remember uh, when my kids were small, uh, my father-in-law took my kids to uh, Arkansas. They went to this place in Arkansas called the Crater of Diamonds State Park. Anybody ever been to the Crater of Diamonds State Park other than my wife? Anybody? So in Arkansas, everybody's here is like, I ain't going to Arkansas. There ain't nothing in Arkansas. I, I get you. I get you. Some of the largest diamonds in the world have been found in Arkansas. So if for no other reason... That's worth going, but uh, the, the Crater of Diamonds State Park in Arkansas. And so what you do is you go and you rent a shovel and you rent all this sifting equipment and then you go out in the middle of this, I think it's like 37 acres of nothing, and you just go out there and you just dig. Wherever you want to, you dig. And um, people, have, like I said, they found some of the largest diamonds. Well, my father-in-law, while he was there and all the kids were getting their shovels and they're in the little gift shop, he kind of sneaks off to the side and he, and he reaches over and he gets the guy's attention and he holds up two fake diamonds that they had in his basket and he kind of nodded and the guy nodded and he shoved them in his pocket and then when he paid for the shovels, he just paid for those and the kids didn't know nothing about it. So they go out there into this 37 acres, and, and he's walking around. He says, well, what about over there? And the kids are over, and they're looking, and they're digging. And he backs up and takes those things out of his pocket, and he drops one, kicks some dirt on, walks over, kicks some dirt on. The other one covers them up, and the kids are walking. He says, hey, what about over here? And so kids start digging, and sure enough, they find these, these fake diamonds. And, and they were excited because it was there, but they looked up and said, Papa, these ain't real. Yeah, they, they, my, we raised smart kids. But, but anyways, they were excited, though, that they found something. Have you ever found something that just really excited you, something that you've been looking for for, for a long time and, and just you've been believing for? You know, I ask you, how many of you are believing God for something? Listen, that's like treasure. That's, that's, God wants you to, when, when that thing comes, boy, it excites you. It does something in your heart. Uh, treasures, when you start thinking about treasures, and I kind of went through my list of all these different things in my life that back before I found Jesus that I thought were treasures in my life. That no more, no longer do they have any meaning. I have found a new treasure in heavenly things. But, but I think about these treasures, and I, I looked up in dictionary.com, what would be a definition for, for treasures? Is it what we would think of a treasure is? And so the definition for a treasure is a quantity or pre precious metal, gems, or other valuable objects. But then it goes on and says something valuable or a valued item. Something valuable or a valued item. So I like that. A treasure, your treasure, is a valued item that you keep carefully. You know, if it's a treasure, if it's something you, you, that, that's valued, if it's something that means a lot to you, that's not just something that you just throw around. It's not something you just leave out. It's not something that you, I started talking earlier about, you know, what are your possessions? What are those things that God has given you? How do you treat those things? Because things that you don't take care of are not treasures. Things that you just, you know, flippantly throw around, things that you just, you don't really care much about, those, those are not treasures. But those things that you value, those things that you, you, you make sure you take care of, that you put up and you make sure that you're, you're always, it's got a place and it's supposed to go, those are your treasures. 
Those are the things that you, you like. My wife and I have been married 27 years. We've got some things in our, our life that are, that are treasures, mementos, things that we hold on to. There's not a lot of things that we care a whole lot about. They're just, a, lot of, a lot of it's just stuff. But there are a couple items, things from when our kids were small. I, I go back through, I've actually got a little box. I was in it the other day as I was thinking about treasures. I've got this little box and there's, there's pictures of me and the kids and there's, there's little things uh, that they made me when they were kids. Little macaroni pictures that are pictures, or that are, that are treasures rather. You know, like one a little macaroni thing that says Jesus on it. I've got, I've got a message on my phone. That's probably, I don't know, it's, it's got to be, see, TC's 25, it's got to be at least uh, 17 years old. And it's still on my phone. They, when, every time I've gotten a new cell phone, I said, am I going to be able to get all of these messages? They said, yes, because if, if I lose this one, I'm coming back to get you. But there's a message that's on my phone still that I keep back from when my son was probably like 13, 14 years old. And I was making a trip from Tennessee up to Michigan. I was going to be gone for a couple of days. And he called my phone, and I couldn't answer it. And, and he said, Dad, he said, I hope you have a great trip. I want you to know that, uh, that I'm praying for you, and I love you, and I can't wait till you get back. I won't delete that message. My boy's tw- 25 years old now, and I tell him all the time, I said, I'm holding on to that one. That's a treasure. That is valuable to me. So what are some things that you treasure. We, we all have treasures in our life. We all have things that are valuable to us. Then I got to thinking, not only do we have these tre- treasures, but we, we hide them. There are things that, 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 that we don't want anybody else to see. We, there are things that we don't want anybody else to, to get a hold of. So we, we hide these treasures. And so I got to thinking, why do people hide stuff that are valuable to them? Instead of just showing it to everybody. And so I was reading a couple articles, and I read this article that this psychologist had written about treasures. And the psychologist says there are three reasons why people hide treasures. One, they hide treasures in an effort to gain control. In an effort to gain control. I'll give these to you again if if you're the note takers, I can see. But they hide them in an effort to gain control. Number two It's so that they can locate that treasure when they need it. They hide it so that they can locate it when they need it. And number three, they hide the treasures to keep it from being stolen, to keep it from being taken away from them. So I want to begin to talk to you about these three things in light of what I believe is the most valuable treasure that any of us can have. So if you would, go with me to Psalm 119, verse 11. Psalm 119, verse 11. And once you find it, if you would stand for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 119, verse 11. And if you can't find it, go ahead and stand. It's up on the screen. Psalm 119, 11. I don't know if this is accurate while you're looking for it. I had somebody tell me one time, and I'll be honest, I have not ever searched this out. But um, this is the middle of the Bible. Anybody ever heard that before? This is the very middle of the Bible. If you were, if you were to, to go from, from Genesis 1 all the way to the end of Revelation, this would be considered the very middle of the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 11. He says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
Your word, the word of God, I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to stand before these fine people. I pray, Lord, that you just use me mightily. Lord, I'm humbled every time I get the opportunity to stand behind this desk or any desk to declare your word. I pray right now that you'd anoint my lips, anoint my tongue, help me to speak forth the oracles of God, to do everything that you've laid on my heart to do, to show that I've studied, to show myself approved. Lord, be with each and every one that's here today and those that will watch online or listen to this through podcast. Father God, I pray right now that you'd open their ears to hear, their eyes to see, and their hearts to receive what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to them. And Father, we give you praise for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now remember, I said a treasure, a treasure is a valued item to be kept carefully. I like what William McDonald says in the Believer's Bible Commentary. William McDonald says this, God does not make us holy against our will or without our cooperation. Think of that. God does not make us holy against... God can't make you holy unless you cry out to Him. Nor can He do it without your cooperation. Unless you yield to Him. Young lady came up to me this morning, was asking me a question, a Bible question this morning. I love Bible questions. It almost made me late to prayer because I just love talking to people about the Word of God and explaining some things to her. And what happened as we were were thinking about that, I said, you know, this is the reality, is you have to want to die to self and to be born again. You can't just go to God and say, Lord, save me so I don't go to hell, but I want to live like it here on earth. That doesn't work, all right? So God cannot make you holy against your will or without your cooperation. Then he goes on and says this, this book, this book right here in the world is the Bible, and the best place to put it is in your heart. The best reason for putting it there is that it saves us from sinning against God. Listen. I see people all the time, Christian t-shirts, fish bumper stickers, cross necklaces, all these things, church attendance, they'll tell you what church they go to. It blows my mind. They'll tell me what church they go to, but half the time they can't remember the pastor's name or the message he preached. They'll say that they're a Christian, but they'll live like hell. You see them out in town, and, and, and when, they're, when nobody else, you know, they don't think anybody else is, is listening or anybody from their church is around, man, they've got just the, the worst language. You look at the way that they dress. You look at the way that they treat other people. You look at the way that they, they, they just, I mean, they're so rude. And yet, you, when, you, when you say something to them, oh, yeah, I, I'm saved. I believe in God. And you, you look at them, you say, how do you know? that you're saved. And I hear people all the time when you ask them, how do you know that you're saved? Well, I I prayed that prayer. Well, what prayer did you pray? Well, I prayed that prayer to, 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 to ask God to save me. Did you pray the prayer to ask him to be Lord of your life? Yeah, I prayed that prayer. Well, if he's Lord of your life, do you think he's pleased with the way that you're living it?
When we hide his word in our heart, it keeps us from sinning. How does it keep us from sinning? Because he brings it back to remembrance. When you get ready to do something, you get ready to say something, you get ready to act a certain way, that word will come back to remembrance and the Holy Spirit says, do you really want to do that? No, Lord, I really don't want to do that because I know you're not going to be well pleased. So we, we change. We make the adjustments in our life. God will not force us to love him. God will not force us to live for him. God will not force us to go to heaven to be with him. But he does make a way for us to choose. Several years ago, I read a story, and if you'll humble me this morning, I want to read this story to you. Uh, and I just want everybody, I may have read this before, I couldn't remember, but, but as I was praying and thinking about this, the story just kept coming back to remembrance. And I said, Lord, that's kind of a long story. And the Lord said, I want you to read it, so I'm going to read it again to you. And I can't remember where I read it, what book it was in. Uh, I found it in some of my old notes. But listen to this story. A young man was getting ready to graduate from college. For many months he had admired a beautiful sports car at a dealer's show, showroom. And in knowing that his father could well afford it, he told his father, this is all I want for graduation. As graduation day approached, the young man awaited signs that his father had purchased the car for him. Finally, on the day that he was to graduate, his father called him into his private study and told him how proud he was to have such a fine son and how much he loved him. He handed his son a beautifully wrapped box. Curious, but somewhat disappointed, the young man opened the box and he found a lovely leather-bound Bible with his name embossed in gold on it. The young man became angry and he raised his voice to his father and said, With all your money, you give me a Bible rather than a sports car. He then stormed out of the house, leaving the Bible behind. Many years passed and the young man was very successful in the business that he went in. He had a beautiful home and a wonderful family, but he realized when he thought about his father that his father was very old. He then decided that perhaps he should go and see him because he had not seen him since that graduation day. However, before he could make arrangements to go, he received a phone call from a funeral home director telling them that his father had passed away and willed all of his possessions to him. He was told that he needed to come home immediately and take care of these things. When the son arrived at his father's house, sadness and regret filled his heart. He began to search through his father's important documents and he saw the Bible that his father had given him for graduation. The Bible looked new just as it was years ago when it was given to him. With tears in his eyes, he opened the Bible and he began to turn through the pages. His father had carefully underlined a verse which was Matthew chapter 7 verse 11 which reads, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him? As the son read these words, a car key dropped out from behind the Bible. It had a tag with the car dealer's name on it, the same car dealer that the sport, had the sports car that he wanted so badly for his college graduation. On the tag was the date 
of his graduation and the words written, paid in full. Many times during our lifetime, we miss God's treasures because they are not packaged the way that we expected them to be. If he had just opened the word, he would have got the greatest treasure ever and the car. But many times we fail to open the word to find the greatest treasure because all we want is material objects. Jesus says in his word, he says, don't store up for yourself things that moth and rust can take. Store up for yourselves this word that will never be taken away from you. People will spend money that they don't have to win money that they will probably never get. How many times have you heard about somebody winning the lottery? I'm talking millions of dollars. Only to read about that same person a couple years down the road, and they are broke. I hear about football players all the time, guys that have such great ability. They go through high school, college, pros, get drafted, sign a multi-million dollar contract. Something happens, either they get hurt or they just retire or whatever the case may be. And then you hear about them a couple years down the road, and they don't have a dime to show for it. They made their treasures earthly things. Yahoo Finance said that the odds of winning the mega million dollar lottery is one out of 176 million. The odds of winning the mega million lottery is one in 176 million. I remember when I was a, a kid, I was about 15, 16 years old, something like that. I worked in a, a convenience store. We called them party stores up in Michigan. And I worked in this convenience store, and, and I got, they taught me how to run the lottery machine. And every Friday, because in Pontiac, Michigan, there were factories on every corner. All the, everybody up there either worked for one of the big three. And so at their lunchtime, they'd get their paycheck, and they would come, and they would get them a six-pack or a bottle of something, and then they would come over, and then they'd want to play the lottery. And I would look at some of these guys, and I would look at the way they were dressed. I would look at the car that they drove. I got to meet some of those guys. I worked there for a couple years. I got to know many of them. I knew what their home life was like. And I didn't know Jesus back then, but I would look at some of these guys. I said, are you sure you want to spend this money on the lottery when you really what you need to do is take that money home and pay your bills? They said, if I can just hit it one time, I'll be set. But the odds are one out of 176 million. Many people will go broke trying to get rich. Las Vegas says that the odds of winning the top prize on the red, white, and blue slot machine is 1 in 373,000. Pastor, have you ever gambled? Not a whole lot because I work too hard for my money and I don't like to lose it. And yes, I'm a bad loser. I'm a bad loser. So I remember one time, Sheridan and I, we went to Shreveport, Louisiana, and, and, and the people we were with, they said, hey, we're going to go to the, to the gambling boat right there on the Mississippi River. So everybody, you know, they're getting out of the car, and I reach in my pocket, and I pulled out my wallet, and I reached in, I grabbed a 20, and I stuck a 20 down in my pocket, and I took my wallet, and I threw it under the seat. Guy I was with, he said, man, what are you doing? I said, when this one's gone, I'm done. 
I said, if I ain't got that, I have no more cash, no more credit cards. And I said, I'm probably not walking back out here. So we went in. I took that thing. I stuck it in the machine. It gave me $20 worth of tokens. I handed her 10 and I had 10. We went over and played those stupid little things. And when the money was gone, the money was gone, but we said that we did it. I remember going out to Las Vegas one time and, and had to go out there for a meeting. I remember we stayed in, in uh, Caesar's Palace. I remember walking through. They, they, they make you walk through the casino to get to your room. And I walked through the casino, and there's a lady sitting there, and she's got her hand on her drink. She's got her legs crossed. She's got a cigarette in her hand. There's an ashtray right there, and she's playing blackjack. And I remember walking through, and I, I remember saying something to Sharon. And I said, man, look at that woman just sitting there. Hit me, hit me, whatever. We go up to our room. I said, hey, we got about uh, two and a half hours to our first meeting. I said, let's go down and, and walk up and down the strip. She said, okay. So we, we were up in our room maybe 15, 20 minutes. We come walking back through the casino. Same woman sitting at the same table, same position. I said, looked at my watch. I said, okay. So we went for a walk. We were gone probably about 45 minutes. We come back. I said, hey, we need to hurry up and shower because we've got to get to our meeting. We come walking through the casino. Same woman. Same table, same position. We go up to, the, the uh, to our room. We go ahead and get dressed. I told Sheridan on the elevator right now, I said, if that woman's sitting in the same table at the same position, I'm knocking her off her stool and I'm leading her to Jesus. <laughs> she was gone. But people will spend money and, and do things that they don't have. Boston University did a study and said that the odds of someone living to 100 is one in 5,000. One in 5,000. People talk about how they treasure their life, and yet I look at the way some people treat their bodies. And you wonder why they don't live to be 100. God promised us 120. God promised us 120 years. And you wonder why people struggle to make it to 100. But you look at the way that they treat their bodies. Don't say that this is your treasure. Why do you spend so much money on makeup and hair products and you, you just, but you, you fill yourself full of garbage? I'm meddling now. I'll move back over here. I could go on and on, but my point is people will gamble in many ways to live better here on earth only to never find the treasures that will truly fulfill them. But the truth is the odds of someone being born again, here you go now, the odds of someone being born again, living the abundant life, and going to heaven when they die is 100%. The odds are 100%. If, that is a big little word, if you make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. The odds of you going to heaven, the odds of you living an abundant life, the odds of you seeing Jesus face to face, 100% if you just call out to him. Ask him to come into your heart. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. And yet people will do some of the craziest things. I remember, I remember when COVID hit, how many times I got phone calls, people, pastor, is this the end? 
people that I knew that, that they were churchgoers, people that I know that I had prayed with somewhere along the line, all these people that would say that they were Christians, and then COVID hit, and they said, Pastor, is this the end? Is this the judgment? Are we going to die? And I said, you know, I really don't know the answer to that, but based on the way you're questioning me, I'm going to tell you that you're probably not ready. You must be born again. If you don't trust what the Apostle Paul says, listen to what Jesus says. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. If you'll keep my word. How can you keep the word? Get it in you. Spend time in it. The guaranteed way to know that you're saved is to confess Jesus Christ as Lord of your life and to hide the greatest treasure, which is His Word, in your heart. Why is it important to hide His treasure in your heart? I've said this many times. I'll say it again probably many more times. So if you don't like it, that's fine. Okay, I only got so many stories, folks, and you're going to get all of them multiple times. My wife looks at me, she goes, I've been getting them for 27 years. I apologize. But I can tell you this. I have read the Bible cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, 19 times. 19 times. Every year, I read a chronological Bible cover to cover. That doesn't include my study time. That's just, that is my devotion time. Every year, I read the Bible cover to cover. And every year... As I'm reading through the Bible, I'll run across the scripture. I'll be like, wow, was that in there last year? That's good. That speaks to me. That is exactly what I, that is what I've been looking for. And it, 19 times in every year I find a new nugget. Every year what I find is not something my father-in-law buried in the sand that's fake. Every year what I find is something that is real that will transform my life. I love what the famous Puritan preacher and author John Bunyan said. Anybody ever heard of John Bunyan? A couple of you. Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan said this, talking about the Word of God. Read it and read it again. And do not despair of help to understand the will and mind of God, though you think they are fast locked up from you. Neither trouble your heads, though you have not commentaries and exposition. Pray and read, read and pray. For a little from God is better than a great deal from men. A little from God is a great deal from men. Pastor, I don't understand it. Get you a translation that you can understand. Read it and then pray. Read it and then pray. Pray and then read. I pray all the time, Lord, help me to understand that which I'm getting ready to read. Then I'll read it. Lord, help me to understand that which I've read. Then I will pray what I read. Pastor, how do you learn to pray that way? Ephesians chapter 1, beginning along verse 16. Lord, give unto me a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened, that I would know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of your glory and inheritance of the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward me who believes. How do you get that? Because I pray the word. I pray the Word. The Word works, but you got to work the Word. 
pray the word and you'll become you'll begin to understand what the word says we need to spend time in the word of God it is a treasure that needs to be hidden in our heart that's my introduction let's look at first point hopefully we'll get through it today like I said I had two pages of notes and I went to Mexico and I came home and God said let me just show you what you're really going to teach on so there are three reasons we need that people need to hide the Word of God in their heart three reasons why you need to hide the Word of God in your heart number one to maintain control He got quiet quick brother Brad to maintain control Sometimes you preach best what you need to know the most. Let me just say that, okay? Some of you will get that later. Proverbs 25, 28 says, Whoever has no rule over his spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Look at what the ESV says, the English Standard Version. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls when you don't have any control in your life everything can attack you when you have no control in your life you open yourself up to everything that wants to destroy you self-control is a difficult thing for many people we think about sin being things like stealing murdering or doing drugs but what about eating too much getting angry at somebody because they're not doing what you think they should do or you try to work too much and you're not you can never do enough see gluttony wrath greed slothfulness are all just as much a lack of self-control Keep smiling, looking forward. Throw an amen out even if you don't mean it. It's okay. See, gluttony, wrath, greed, slothfulness, they're just as much sin as drugs, alcohol, pornography. All right? I tell people all the time, be careful. Jesus said this. Be careful who you judge. Don't try to judge the speck in someone else's eye when you're walking around with a beam in yours. A man without self-control. Everyone needs to have self-control. But that control needs to be led by the Holy Spirit. The Word of God has, has much to say about how we need to maintain control. One way is through spending time with God on a regular basis. You want to, you want to have self-control? You want to maintain control? You need to spend time with the one that can give you that. 1 Peter 4, 7. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. The end of all things is at hand. I'm telling you, it, Jesus himself said, I know not the day or the hour, but I know the season. I'm going to tell you, folks, if you haven't looked around, the season is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. I see people all the time that are not serious in their faith. We've got a generation coming up right now that is not serious about their faith. They're not serious about the things of God. They're not serious about their relationship with Jesus. 
They think that they've got all kinds of time. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle James, they were preaching like Jesus would come back in their time. Guys like John Bunyan, Smith Wigglesworth, all of those guys, they were preaching like Jesus was coming back in their time. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to preach like Jesus is coming back in my time, and I believe that he will. I believe the time is at hand. I don't know the day or the hour. I won't even try to prophesy to you. But I'll tell you that it's the, t the season's at hand. I can tell you that when, when one gets overconfident and begins to lack in their prayer life, when people get lack in their study of God's Word, they find themselves in a place with no control instead of a place of being under control. When you're not spending time with God, when you're not spending time in God's Word, you will find yourself in a place of no control. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-8. through 8. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through, well, it says 6 up there, so we'll go with that. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness. Here we go. It's, yeah, hallelujah. And to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me look at that again. Can you back it up? For this very reason, you need to give diligence. That diligence is a very important word. Diligence in your prayer time. Diligence in your study of the word. Diligence in your how you go to church and worship with other believers. Give all your diligence to your faith. Faith will lead to virtue. Virtue to knowledge. Knowledge to self-control. Self-control leads to perseverance. Perseverance leads to godliness. Godliness leads to brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness to love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will not be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, I've always said this about the Word of God, is that there's always an opposite. If you will never be, if, you're, if you do these things, you will not be barren or unfruitful. But if you don't do these things, you will be barren and unfruitful. So are we doing these things? To maintain control is to constantly be adding to our faith, our virtue, our knowledge, our self-control, our perseverance, all of these things. Faith is the confidence in the truth, which is God's Word. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You can have confidence in many things that will lead you to destruction, but the word of God will lead you to a place of control. Virtue is moral goodness, modesty, and purity. Are we living, listen to me now, church, are we living according to the world's standards on morality? or according to God's standards. If you look around, if you watch television, are we living in this world according to the world's standards of morality or God's standards? 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The word sober right there means to be calm and collected in spirit and to be temperate 
dispassionate, circumspect. In other words, it means to maintain control. You cannot maintain control when you're not, when you're not walking in a diligent relationship with God. You cannot maintain control if you're not spending time with the creator of everything. You cannot maintain control if you have not hidden his word in your heart. The devil wants to see us self-destruct. I spent four weeks talking about don't give Satan the satisfaction. And one of the ways that the door gets open is when people fail to maintain control. God wants us to maintain control. Anytime we allow substance, people, or emotions to control our lives, we are out of control and we are lost in sin. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. A sound mind. I heard a lot of people, I saw a lot of signs during the epidemic. 2 Timothy 1 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear over, or faith over fear, and all, you know, all these cool cliches. I'm like, all that's great, but none of you really have a sound mind. A sound mind is self-control. And we can achieve this by the Spirit of God living in us, which is only received through being born again and making Jesus Lord of our lives. Colossians 3, 2, he says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Listen, I, I read the news just like you do, but sometimes we allow that news to control our heart and our minds instead of his word. We allow what other people say about us or to us to control us more than His Word. But if we have hidden His Word in our heart, we know what He says about us. We don't need to worry what everybody else says about us. See, this is the reality, folks. There is coming a day for all of us where we're going to stand before our Creator. And you're either going to hear Depart from me, for I never knew you. Or you're going to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant, enter in. What I'm not going to hear is, Tim, somebody wants to say something to you because they didn't like you on earth. Tim, you offended somebody on earth by preaching the truth. Tim, I can't let you in because so-and-so got mad at you on earth. Listen, there's only one voice that I want to hear. There's only one voice I'm going to hear. There's only one voice that matters. It's His. That doesn't mean that I don't love you. But listen, if you get easily offended by what me or somebody else says to you, you need to get back in the Word and see what He says about you. Judge yourself by the Word. Look at this, Proverbs chapter 4. Miss Susan, if you want to come. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in verse number 20. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in verse 20. It says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you deceitful mouth and put, per and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet 
and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. I like that. Proverbs 4.20, he says, Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Give attention to God's word. It is life and health. And when we hide it in our hearts, it will help us to maintain a controlled life. A life out of control spiritually, physically, and emotionally leads to sin. A life out of control spiritually, physically, and emotionally leads to sin. A life controlled by the Word of God and the Spirit of God leads to treasures that are uncomparable. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, one of the reasons I encourage people, I've got, I've got electronic Bibles just like everybody else. But a lot of times what happens, and I said this to you last week, if you leave that cell phone at home, boy, you'll turn around on a dime and go pick it up. But if you leave your Bible at home, do you give it the same? Is it a treasure to you? Are your electronic devices more of a treasure than this is? See, I, I like this because I can, I can highlight. I can write notes. I can, I can, I can highlight prayers. I can, I can dog ear pages where I want to go back to. I can put bookmarks and, and paper clips in this to go back to it. I can read it over and over again. I've been in revivals where, where different pastors have said something and I make little notes in my Bible and I'll go back and I'll be reading it again later. And God will bring that sermon back to remembrance. Can't do that on an electronic device. I want to encourage you. Get in the Word of God. The greatest treasure you'll ever find and hide it into your heart. If you want to live a life to maintain control, get the greatest treasure that you'll ever find. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast of Life Church. If you are looking for a home church, please visit us at 100 Todd Road in Perry, Georgia. Or check out our website at lifechurchga.com.